0: Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back. Hope you're well rested after the long weekend and eager to get back into the swing of things. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro bringing you another episode of Monday Madness on, well, Tuesday, July 6th, but the information is going to be useful nonetheless. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast on whatever platform you listen through and followed us on LinkedIn, go ahead and do that so you can stay up to date and informed on all things oil and gas. But I know you didn't come here to Listen to our self-promotion, you came here to learn about the biggest things in the energy space that went down in the last week, so let's get to it. Our first item of importance, WTI prices. After last Thursday, prices hit $75 and pretty much stayed there. Then this morning happened. Very early, the price touched $77, but then immediately plummeted back down to about $73.50, which is where it sits at the time of this recording. Those of you who regularly trade or who have been listening to this podcast for a while know that Monday volatility, or Tuesday in this case, is totally normal. Markets open and things get a little hectic. Still, a drop of this magnitude is a little concerning. Nearly a 2.5% change? Yeah, that's super significant and almost leads me to believe fundamental factors are bucking back against a seemingly overinflated price. But again, almost believe. I don't quite believe that. I predict that the price will bounce back to about $74 by the end of day, but would not be surprised if we sat near $73 for the first part of this week before returning where we once were. Even though it was a violent reaction following a $77 test, I truly believe the value is representative of the commodity's worth. A year ago today, prices were only $40.62, so a fall to $73 ain't the end of the world. Next, I'd like to talk about the rig count. So the first half of 2021 showed us that the rig count has no problem with steadily increasing, and I hope the second half fares just as well. Fortunately, Baker Hughes' most recent rig count reveals another build of five rigs for the U.S. Basin by basin, we saw an additional rig in the Permian, Williston, and Marcellus basins, but the big winner turned out to be the DJ Basin, who added two more rigs, bringing its total to 11. Is this the newly formed Civitas getting busy? Are private operators trying to capitalize? That we don't know yet, but regardless, a great development for Colorado as the state total went up by three, which insinuates it's not just the DJ seeing some action. All other major energy states saw no change or the addition of another rig outside of Wyoming who lost a rig, bringing their total to nine. If you were to guess that the wells being drilled are horizontal and targeting oil, well then you would be correct. Still, a violent shift away from vertical as the total falls from 19 to 16 nationally rather uneventful rig count, but still a good one, to see as the overall total continues to creep up. Lastly, of course, the inventory report, which you could have already known had you just read last week's Thirsty Thursday. Seriously, this is a fun new rare Petro segment, and it affords you an excuse to drink at work. If your boss catches you, just call it professional development and crack another one open for them as well. But for those of you who did miss it, I got two words for you. Massive drawdowns. The API seemed to realize that their past estimates were just a little too modest and predicted a 4.46 million barrel drawdown to up the ante, but the actual report showed that they are still shooting way too low and the drawdown was over 8 million barrels. The EIA made a similar prediction of about 4.68 million barrel drawdown, but they too were shy of the actual estimate of 6.7 million barrels. Even though the numbers may vary a little more than we've seen in the past few weeks, this is still phenomenal news. That's five straight weeks of drawdowns of at least 5 million barrels and 10 straight weeks of drawdowns in general, by the EIA's numbers at least. Last week, we saw a minor drawdown in gasoline inventories, but prices went up nonetheless. This week, we see a small build of 1.6 million barrels that puts gasoline right in the middle of its historical five-year range. Despite gasoline hitting prices we haven't seen in seven years, it continues to get more expensive. The average national price is about $3.13 per gallon. Propane and distillates remain overshadowed by the much more interesting and greater moving gasoline and oil, but it is business as usual for those two. Both remain within their five-year historical range, but propane is dangerously close to breaking out of its cage. If you ask me, that seems like a pretty good week by the numbers. Sure, WTI price fell just a little more than we would have expected this morning, but the rig count is strong and the inventories are decreasing. As about we get into some of the news. I'm sure some of you have already heard about this one, but it's too big not to cover. We're gonna talk about the Mexican gas leak. Now, if you got through this weekend without hearing about it, just Google Mexican ocean fire and you should be able to find some pretty incredible pictures and footage that almost immediately went viral. On Friday, the state-owned Pemex reported a fire in the ocean about 1,300 feet away from one of their production platforms. Apparently, it was a result of a leak, but That seems like too insignificant of a word to use in this context. Fortunately, no injuries occurred, and the fire was extinguished in about five hours after closing the 12-inch pipeline and introducing nitrogen to the underwater fire. Pemex said they would begin an investigation into the cause of the fire soon, but the world is already furious. Sure, environmentalists will lock onto a story like this instantly, but this is not the first time Pemex has had a disaster like this. They are notorious for poorly managed assets. In 1979, they were responsible for one of the largest oil spills in history. In 2012, an explosion at a gas plant killed 30 and injured 46. In 2013, an explosion in an administrative facility killed 37 and injured 126. 2015, platform fire, 4 dead. 2016, chlorinate 3 plant explosion, at least 28 dead. 2019, pipeline explosion in village, 137 dead. Their track record is horrendous, but they somehow continue to operate. If anything, it highlights how fortunate we are to have privately run companies all over the world. Not to say that they don't have their incidents, but it definitely appears to be safer and more successfully regulated if the government isn't at the wheel. But still, these incidents occur and the Mexican Energy Ministry has just awarded one of the largest private field discoveries to Pemex over a territorial dispute. That's like being the sheriff judge, and mayor in a case against a visiting entrepreneur, while the park down the street is on fire from poor community leadership. Mexico is clearly putting profit in front of safety and responsibility, which is an image most of the industry has been trying to get away from in the modern age. As I read through the comments over the incident at various news sites and forums, nobody mentioned Mexico and their poorly managed assets, they only mentioned Big Oil. Again, not trying to dismiss what happened as insignificant, Just trying to highlight Mexico's poor management of all things oil and gas and how it really taints the perception of industry through the lenses of the rest of the world. Next, I'd like to take time to talk about one of the factors that I believe is responsible for pushing oil prices to where they are today and even higher in the future. Investing, or the lack thereof. The European Bank for Reconstruction and Development is an internal financial institution that works to build market economies. Just recently, they announced that they will not continue to invest in upstream oil and gas projects. Why is this significant? It is part of a growing movement where more and more banks announce their decision to stop their support for exploration and production projects. As the bank's vice president put it, the low carbon transition requires the world economy to move in less than 30 years from a more than 80% reliance on fossil fuels to a net zero model. This is a challenge that is unprecedented in economic history. Similarly, the associated opportunity is enormous. While I don't disagree with this statement, the shifting of investment is only going to increase the scarcity of oil. The best and easiest reserves have already been produced, so if the cost to produce harder to reach oil increases while investment for it simultaneously decreases, the price for oil is going to become that much higher as the energy return on investment decreases due to the lack of exploration. I see this as an immediate issue, as this impacts the way we consume energy today and not in 2050. We currently don't have the resources to fully shift, that's why it's called a transition rather than a change, but this lack of investment will definitely put pressure on oil in the short term. Now, this isn't to say that everyone is divesting, just a growing number of people every day who are either controlled by their investors or want to signal that they are worried about the energy needs of the future. I'm sure someone is still funding lots of these projects, but the irony is that they are doing more to provide cheap, affordable energy than the banks who have stopped pushing money towards exploration and production. Another hypothesis that I have is the continued investment in midstream and downstream will disproportionately support a network for the delivery, transformation, and use of hydrocarbons rather than the production which will only further cement the use of hydrocarbons. Upstream's not getting the love it needs, but the world requires what it delivers. Buckle up, folks. Energy is about to get incredibly expensive, but fortunately for us involved in industry, oil will get more expensive as well. But that is all we have for this episode. If you're hungry for more content concerning the future of energy, we just released a video on the concept of peak oil usage that has been very well received so far. You can find that video by searching for Rare Petro on YouTube, And you will also encounter the rest of our vast library of content to keep you busy. I'm talking interviews, hydrocarbon history, and many other segments. If you have any suggestions for a show or topic that you would like to see that you can't find, please reach out to us at podcast at rarepetro.com. And you will also get entered into a giveaway for some Rare Petro gear. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro. And until we see you next time, take care, everybody.